Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Libby. Did you say this was episode 13 or 14? 14. 14. Oh, well, excellent. Well, good. Uh, well, hi, uh, Vince here with Darren. Libby. Hi, everybody. I'd like to do something to start off this episode. For about the last seven, eight years, uh, my son has been playing hockey. And, you know, one point or another, a competitive form or a house league form. A couple times a week, three times, sometimes four times a week, I'll put him on a bus and send him to a hockey game somewhere in uh, Ontario. And as parents, we put our kids on these buses and we don't really think about it. We think uh, everything will be fine and they'll go and they'll come back. Well, there was a... uh recent tragedy that happened out in Saskatchewan. Uh, I'd like to dedicate this podcast to uh, all of the players and families and Canadians and anybody out there worldwide who's ever put their kid on a bus and thought that everybody would be fine. In Humboldt, Saskatchewan, I, I don't remember exactly where they were ranked. I apologize. It we were a bunch of uh, 16 to 20 year old young men. Their bus collided with a transport truck. There were 16 people total who lost their lives. 13 are injured or are currently in hospital. And it really makes you think how short or small this world really is. And I would just like to say we're thinking about all the people out there. And we're going to dedicate this podcast to all of them. Thank you. Let's uh, go off and uh, talk about a little uh, happier subject. Those are very colorful socks you're wearing, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, are these your new podcast socks? Are no. we are we giving those away uh, after the 150th episode, like your hat? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm are you having second thoughts on that? No, I, I can't. I can't renege on the hat thing. I, I will be very sad, and I'm, maybe I should start looking for a new one. Shopping for new hat. <laughs> I, got, I got a few weeks, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, lots of time. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, what do you want to talk about, Aaron? Oh, I don't know. We were bantering around a couple subjects there, weren't we? We uh, were. Thinking a bit about real estate. Oh. And then we were also thinking about something Ontario-specific with the provincial election coming up soon. I don't know. What do you think? We can talk a little bit about politics, only because I like Doug Ford. I liked Rob Ford. Darren, uh, where are you on Doug Ford? Kind of anti-Kathleen win right now, so... I think that's the same for a lot of voters in Ontario, which is why apparently Doug Ford has the majority vote, at least currently. I always heard Doug Ford speak even back when Rob was a politician. Somebody had Rob's ear, I believe. Yeah. And I truly believe it probably was Doug. The Ford family did fantastic for a lot of taxpayers down in the riding they were in. I heard that wasn't necessarily the case. I read online, so everybody's always at each other's throats about it. I think they dealt with getting rid of the overpriced garbage collection issue in Toronto, or they opened it up to private industry and saved a bundle of money, although somebody's not happy about that. I guess my big issue with Doug Ford is uh, they come from a family business right they've done well they're business friendly and I run a business and I am really starting to wonder if there's any politicians out there in Canada federally or provincially that are actually experienced in business or understand 
the plight of small business. And part of the reason I'm a big fan of going down the Doug Ford path is the fact that he's actually had experience in running a business and knows a lot of the demands and troubles that are, are faced that are not necessarily addressed by the current government. So you like the idea of somebody who has run a business running the country for sales of business? For example, Bill Morneau, if you have a business and you make over 250000 yeah. that becomes fully taxable and then they clamp down on the benefits paid to spouse. What it really came down to was the fact that a lot of people go into business and, and they mortgage everything in their lives. If you have a family, the whole family is involved. For example, if you own your house, you remortgage your house to open a business and maybe for five years you lose money and then you start actually turning a profit. When you when you start turning a profit, you're not really allowed to reward the, the family members um, that have also shared in that risk. And the general public doesn't understand it. And until you open a business and sacrifice significantly to open a, a business of significance, you know the pain that's involved. You yep. know that most businesses fail. Yep. And yet they want to take away the whole reward system. And to me, that's just a complete affront to all, any entrepreneurial spirit. Probably part of the reason why Canada's having so much trouble actually getting small business going. I'm just sick and tired of it. Doug Ford? done it. He's been there. He owns a business or has owned a business. He has experience running the business. And that's who I want in political power. I don't want yeah. no more bullshit. He's got a proven record. Kathleen Wynn, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Think of Bill Morneau. He's, he's a partner in Morneau Chappelle who runs basically private pension funds. You no, know, we don't want them. Trudeau has a $200 million trust fund, right? All these people getting into politics are all these trust fund babies with exorbitant amount of money. They run for politics because it's something for them to do. It's like, we'll just <laughs> dabble and play around with the public like they're a little ant farm. It, nice. Just tire of it. Yeah. Like, honestly, get get the fuck out of politics. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we're, we're liking Doug Ford, but, you know, we're not telling you to like Doug Ford, but we like talking about a lot of things here. And if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that. We need, Doug, bus- we need business-friendly politics is all I'm saying. We, we do. You know Ontario I mean? Hydro, what happened? <laughs> People. It was a golden goose asset in Ontario that basically just gutted and sold off to private interest. We used to own Ontario Hydro. Now we don't. And now they're going to run it like a, a private utility and continually raise the rates as they have been and will continue to do so. Yeah. It's so sad. Thank you, Mrs. Wynn. Yeah, although, you know, some people argue that it was going to happen anyways, regardless of who was in power. I don't know. It was just, it's a really bad decision. My my feeling is it's just time for a change. They've been in power for 15 years now. Yeah. We need four nation back. It's time for something to shake up. Part of the problem with Ontario is they keep hiring more and more public servants. So a larger and larger percentage of the people that work in Ontario now are on the government payroll. They're civil servants. And they're hiring more and more and more to the point where for every civil servant that's hired, you need someone who's employed in private enterprise or working a job outside of the government to pay the taxes to afford that civil servant. It's skewed enough to a large degree that it's an insurmountable cost. There's just not enough of a taxpayer base to literally pay for the number of civil servants, the health care system, the education system that we currently have in place. Why not? It's bankrupt. So if I'm Doug Ford, no matter who gets in next, even if Wayne gets in next, I, you can't run up the tab anymore because the government debt level is so high, right? There's already warnings from credit agencies saying that it's unsustainable, the amount of money you're spending. 
the deficits you're running. The low interest rates we currently have, Ontario pays 13 to 14 billion in debt payments per year, and they just keep making a bigger hole. So to me, no matter who gets in power, I think they're going to have to start cutting or at least starting to balance the budget, which generally means cutting anyways. So there is a lot of fact to trim. <laughs> if I get hired as a premier of Ontario, the writing's on the wall. You're running out of options. You can't just keep spending more money like you have been and people are accustomed to it. So what's going to happen is the purse strings are going to get tightened and no matter who is premier, you're going to be hated. I don't think there's really an option at this point. Probably going to get to the Mike Harris level where they might just cut public servants by a third in Ontario. Yeah, I'm on the other side of that equation. We don't need that many people going unemployed. Well, I don't need this drive clean bullshit over-regulation, pay this, pay that, CVOR. Like, just get out of my wallet. Let me survive. I think a third of Canadians at this point now do not have the funds they need to currently survive and are borrowing money to survive. Oh, yeah. Up to $1.70, I believe, in debt. 70 cents for every dollar, we're in debt. It's incredible. I think it's pretty obvious we're all taxed out. There's very little actual business going on, in my opinion. Apparently, the numbers argue otherwise. Our employment numbers are great, but that's basically because the government keeps hiring more people. I don't know how they're going to pay for it. I guess they just manufacture more money. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) To me, it's just a real scary situation that we're in in Ontario. And More scarier, unfortunately, when uh, something like a interest rate hike kicks in. Yeah, to me, the continuous interest rate hikes, and I think the U.S. hiked three or four times over the last year, and they're probably going to keep hiking. And Canada usually follows suit. By July, they've almost guaranteed that, said that, right? I guess other people see it differently than I do, but when I look around, I see a couple more interest rate hikes as basically being a bomb going off. All these people that have been trying to scratch by with these huge mortgages that they've taken at low interest rates, I I think I read a stat somewhere that currently like 41% of all mortgage holders in Canada have to renew this sometime this year. Right. What do they call it? The stress test. So to qualify for a mortgage, you need to qualify um, with an extra 2% added on. So anybody outside of, you know, Ontario or Canada doesn't understand what we're saying here. We bank set a mortgage rate and the stress test is an extra 2%. It's mandated by the government. Yes. So if you get a mandated rate of three, the stress test has two, then you have to get guaranteed for five. Yeah. You have to get qualified for 5%. If you want a mortgage, you have to qualify for 5% if the actual interest rate on your mortgage is 3%. Or 7% if it's 5%. Yeah, on and on and on. A lot of money on an average sale in Toronto. Well, it's really taken a, a chunk out of the single family dwelling prices in Toronto. Apparently, the prices have gone down on average and by about 30% in Toronto, although the prices on condos have, have gone up because, well, everybody still wants to buy a place to live. A lot of millennials out there are still living with their parents. And the only thing they can literally qualify for is a condo because it's priced slightly lower than a than a house. Although that's starting to change, I think condos now. Especially if you're looking to be anywhere downtown core, Queen West, right? Condos are going for seven, eight, nine. You're paying condo fees on top of that. Usually what happens with condo fees is they're the the cheapest they'll ever be within the first three years. And then they start hiking them significantly after about three years. So for example, if your condo fees were 550 or or so, all of a sudden three years down the line, you get a letter saying they're going to 850. 15 years after the condo was built, all the glass paint start 
falling off. And then you get letters saying there's a special assessment where each condo owner has to pay 70000 to pay for their glass replacements on their portion of the condo. Yeah. Condos are fraught with risk. I really feel that that whole risk is understood by most condo buyers, though I'm assuming over time that will be felt. I know an awful lot of the issue is uh, price and supply and demand, but we are running these places somehow got so overvaluated that you've got people that bought their homes in 1960 for $28,000 that are worth, you know, a million, million two now. Yeah. What does this market have to crash before it's ever going to fix itself? Well, there's always a cycle. There's always a crash and then a slow boom and then a crash again. So a lot of people predicting for a slow melt over the next 10 years as interest rates continue to climb. My general sense is that it's going to be a bit more of a crash than a melt, partly because of the continual increase in interest rates and the expected increase in rates, especially in the U.S., because they affect more interest rates in Canada. But an awful lot of the history patterns are chasing towards a, a crash. Well, Huge. I mean, it's come off already quite a bit, but you still see people hanging on to their house and they're still struggling to make that they're payment. barely hanging on. But that's what I'm saying, right? You know, you get another couple more interest rates hikes then you got real problems what they're worried about now is those people or that are so worried about it and their interest rate goes up what happens with all that money they were spending outside now goes towards them paying for their house they can't afford so they're talking about it weakening the economy yeah uh, we've already seen that though it's already started the retail sector in canada is really starting to, to tank in my opinion you know i'm only a one guy i don't read the full stats Canada what I just see it in my going. community is a lot of retail businesses suffering although yeah. you know the Amazon effect started that a long time I think it's proving that the Amazon effect was part of it but not a hundred percent I don't think people have any more money no people are running out of money in Canada they're running out and, and even um, the money they're able to borrow because we're already borrowing a lot more well they implemented the carbon tax right so your gas prices have just gone up basically 30 percent across the board cost of living continues to inflate heavily for Canadians. I don't know if there's any relief in sight, especially with the cost of electricity. And knowing that Kathleen Wynne has basically temporarily borrowed money to keep Canadians energy prices down at a cost of doing it was four billion plus the amount it's going to be something like 30 billion dollars is going to be owed in a couple years like basically the next generation of Canadians are already taxed to death that's the privatization of Hydro One the big green plan where they wanted to build all these windmills my general sense is I feel bad for Kathleen Wynne. Why? Well, I, I think she got in power and she had plans, a lot of well-intentioned plans for the social aspect of Canada, bringing about more equal rights, maybe getting the pay differences between men and women, deal with those issues, right? Maybe ensuring that companies are hiring on a, more minorities, like more of an equal standing. To try to bring up some of the people that are running into ceilings, whether it's gender or race, try to open those up and make it a more equal playing field for everyone. My feeling on Kathleen Wynne personally is that when it comes to things like the Green Plan and Hydro One and those types of issues, 
she's had private business or bankers advising her all the way along where you have to be really careful when you run into those types of scenarios because the advice you're going to get is always advice that profits them not uh, the best decisions that could be made for Canadians. The average Canadian. Selling off a country's assets. Yeah. Green plan because you all of a sudden want to bring in more hydro production through windmills and pay exorbitant prices for it and force that on Canada until, you know, you realize what a bad mistake you made and then you get sued by, uh, who's that guy, T. Boone? Oh, T. Boone. T. Boone Pickens, I think, Texas oil guy. He took Ontario to court, I think, suing them for a billion or two, right? Yeah. yeah. Because she said, oh, Canada Green opened for business for windmills and then Mm. all of a sudden we had to stop because we found out how unaffordable it was. But generally... My feeling is she was just getting advice from bad people, bankers, profiteers who had no concern of Canadians. So, like you said, just short term wealth. Lobbyists with a lot of money. To me, that's more important for a politician is who's advising you? You can't possibly know everything and be able to make your own decisions about running a province. You have to get advice. This is what happens when you pick the wrong people. Yeah. That's my personal opinion only, though. Let's hope Doug Ford has better advisors. Yeah, good point. Good I got point. nothing against her. I really don't have anything against her either, except that she's cost me a lot of money. And I'm sorry, Kathleen yeah, Wynne. Well, That's what you've done. You've cost me a lot of money. She's cost Ontario a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, and I generally don't like people that do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, there was another thing about housing that I, uh, I ran a across an article on greaterfool.ca run by Garth Turner. He was mentioning something about the fact that homeowners now have to, I believe, don't quote me on this, if you own a house or bought a house now, you kind of have to register with the government. And then if you're starting to rent it out or rent out a room in it, you have to... um, basically tell them that you're doing so and what he was getting at was some government is finding that there's so much speculating going on housing that they're starting to see that most Canadians are speculating on housing as a means to generate income as opposed to investing their money elsewhere (laughs) Uh, well yeah because it's been going up the way it has been and I think what he was getting at was saying something like if you buy a a home and then you live in it like a primary residence and then you sell it later and make two hundred thousand dollars profit off it that's tax free garth's position on it was i believe that he feels the fact that the government is getting everyone to register their houses with the cra the canadian revenue agency the writing on the wall is that eventually they're going to start taxing profits on house sales now i don't know if he came out right and said that but it was a conjecture And I think he also said that if they did that in 2017, that would have accounted for 18 billion in taxes, taxable income that the government obviously missed out on because they don't tax that. Doug Ford, don't do this. (laughs) Provincial, though, it's not federal. It can't be done. Sorry, Garth, this will not happen. It's it's an interesting insight. Sure it is, yeah. Because the government needs money. Wow. You may find in, you know, maybe two or five years down the line that 
they're going to start taxing profits made from buying and selling houses. What happens to the government if, if the housing market were to collapse? It's collapsing anyways. We discussed that already to a large degree. So so this could be a government way out? If you're spending more than you're bringing in, how long do you let that go for before you find alternative means of bringing in more money? Right. I, I thought it was interesting. And yeah. so, I don't know. Is there something else we were going to talk about? Oh. Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh, Bitcoin roundtable. Uh, Bitcoin's currently at eight thousand one hundred fifty, so I believe it's up a little bit from last. Week. Yeah, it was it was running in the seven thousands a, a week ago, but uh, just so many people shorting it that piled on the shorts. That I'm finding a good indicator of where the price of Bitcoin is going. If you start following the Bitcoin shorts and the Bitcoin longs, and when too many people start shorting it, that's when the price goes up to take out the shorts. It just seems to be how it goes. So when too many people bet one way, it goes the other way. So just hold tight, people. Just hold tight. <laughs> and what is a short? A short is when people bet money, leveraged money usually, that the price of a stock or currency is going down. Currently, I think on Bitfinex, you can you can leverage your shorts 10 times, which means if you have $100, you can short up to 1000 bucks on it. It's an easy way to make money or seemingly easy way to make money, but it's an even easier way to go broke. Yeah, I go to tradingview.com and I just type in BTCUSD shorts. Choose the exchange. It's usually Bitfinex that has the the biggest uh, short and long plays in there. You can literally see the number of people that are shorting Bitcoin or going long Bitcoin. Um, and they're highly leveraged bets usually. And when you see one get out of whack compared to the other, that usually means it's going to go the other way, which it actually did. I think there was a uh, 34, 35,000 Bitcoin shorted last week. In the span of 10 minutes, it went up to 8,000. And that liquidated about 10,000 Bitcoin in shorts a lot of people lost their shirt which is again why i'm saying don't trade bitcoin <laughs> buy it hold it don't trade it statistically speaking most people lose do we want to talk about anything else something light and fun Oh, light, I light and fun. Well, oh. it's snowing outside. That snow's light. And, it's well, fun. it's not actually fun anymore. April 18th. And I don't know if any of our listeners are in the area that got hit with this wicked storm we just got over uh, the weekend. Wasaga, Collingwood, Barry, Toronto? Uh, actually, the whole entire eastern seaboard got hit. Oh, and the U.S. It uh, got that far down as Kentucky, I believe. Oh, boy. Yeah. It was huge. Vicious snowstorm. I honestly, I looked at my wife. It was late at night, and I thought maybe we missed spring and summer, and I was ready to put the tree up again. Yeah. It was Christmas. <laughs> Look outside. It was like? full-on blizzard. Yeah, well, we were literally locked in our house. Like, you you couldn't drive. You couldn't take the car anywhere. We were, lo- yeah. we were stuck in our driveway for two days. Yeah. In the middle of April, it was very... Well, I did go out because the kids were going wild, so I braved it to the swimming pool. Yeah, stormed out in the Jeep. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a fun drive. Yeah, it was a so wicked, bad. wicked, wicked storm. So all you people living in the tropics, you're missing out. Come on up and get get some snow on you. <laughs> no, no, in, in, invite us down. We'd love to record where you are. Yeah. If you happen to be anywhere in the uh, Bahamas, <laughs> yeah, actually, any uh, anything further south in here. Wherever you're living, if it's, Windsor. A, if it's 25 degrees Celsius or higher out there right yeah. now where you are in the middle of April, well, we'll ha- we'd happily visit and shoot a podcast with you. Oh, we'd love to, <laughs> love to. <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming out, everybody. <laughs> yeah, may the coins forever fall in your favor. Have a good night. Good night. Bitcoin Roundtable. 
Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. 